Thursday, May the 20th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, hopes for ceasefire in Gaza and Bitcoin's roller coaster. First, the world in brief. President Joe Biden told Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that he expected a quote, significant de-escalation today of fighting between Israel and Palestinian militants in Gaza. Officials from both Hamas, which runs Gaza, and Israel reportedly predicted that a ceasefire was imminent. Even so, rocket attacks and airstrikes continued overnight. Mr. Netanyahu said he was resolved to carry on until, quote, calm and security were returned to Israelis. Cryptocurrency markets lurched after China warned its financial institutions not to accept cryptocurrencies as payment. The crackdown has come as the country conducts a trial of its own digital yuan. Bitcoin lost almost a third of its value before recovering much of that ground. Other cryptocurrencies also dropped in value as more than $8.6 billion of positions were sold off. Colonial Pipeline said it paid hackers a ransom of 75 Bitcoin, at the time worth $4.4 million, for a decryption device soon after they breached the company's computer network on May 7th. The cyber attack crippled fuel supplies along America's east coast for several days. Colonial said its decision to pay was not taken lightly, explaining that, quote, tens of millions of Americans rely on its pipeline. Mr. Biden will waive sanctions on a controversial Russian pipeline that supplies natural gas to Germany. America has long objected to Nord Stream 2, arguing that it makes Europe more reliant on Russia for energy. It also bypasses Poland and Ukraine, both American allies. Germany's Foreign Minister Heiko Maas welcomed the, quote, constructive step. Zhang Yiming, the CEO of ByteDance, China's first global internet company and parent to TikTok, a wildly popular social video app, is stepping down at the end of the year. Mr. Zhang told employees he wanted to focus on longer-term strategy and that he lacked, quote, the skills that make an ideal manager. He is to be replaced by his co-founder and college classmate, Ru Bo Liang. The European Union agreed to allow people who have been fully vaccinated with COVID-19 jabs approved by the World Health Organization or by the bloc's own medical regulator to enter its borders. Visitors from an approved list of countries with low infection rates will also be permitted. But member states will be allowed to make the rules more restrictive if they see fit. Britain's post-Brexit emissions trading system began to operate. Prices hit £50, $71 a tonne, outstripping even the record highs set this week by the EU's carbon market. Such schemes put a cost on each unit of carbon dioxide produced by companies. The high price puts disproportionate pressure on heavy polluters such as steel mills. The government may intervene to lower prices. And fact of the day. When a petrol or diesel car is dismantled and crushed, as much as 95% of it is likely to be used again. And now, here's today's agenda. Arctic Front – Blinken meets Lavrov 
Tony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, is meeting his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, today at the Arctic Council Ministerial Summit in Reykjavik. It is their first in-person encounter since Joe Biden, the American president, took office in January. It could serve as a precursor to a possible meeting next month between Mr. Biden and the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. Relations between the two countries are frosty. Earlier this year, Mr. Biden warned that Mr. Putin, quote, will pay a price for allegedly interfering in America's election last November. Last month, he made good on that threat when America's Treasury Department announced sweeping sanctions. They include a ban on American banks taking part in the primary market for Russian sovereign debt and sanctions against firms and people whom America holds responsible for the SolarWind cyber espionage hack. A State Department official told reporters that America seeks, quote, a more stable and predictable relationship with Russia. Not as cheap as chips, American car making in crisis. The prices of used cars are soaring across America. One index of second-hand values published by Mannheim, a used car auction business, has surged by 61% since last April. A shortage of new vehicles is one problem, thanks to the world's worsening shortage of semiconductors, which is crimping production. In America alone, car makers shed 27,000 jobs last month as plants short on chips ground to a halt. Today, America's Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo will meet producers of vehicles and semiconductors for a summit to try and ease the logjam. She is reportedly pressing chipmakers in Taiwan, the world's biggest producer, to prioritize orders made by American marks. The Biden administration also wants to spend $50 billion to boost chip production at home to reduce reliance on imports. But it takes time to expand semiconductor production. The shortage could persist for years. As Ms. Raimondo herself confessed to reporters last week, there is no, quote, quick fix. Fleeing home at home, forced displacements. The number of people who are internally displaced, forced to leave their homes but remaining within their country's borders, reached a record high in 2020. Some 55 million people, equivalent to the entire population of Myanmar, were displaced, according to a report released today by the Internal Displacement Monitoring Centre, an NGO. Rising levels of violence and civil strife were the main causes of displacements. More than 85% occurred in countries plagued by war for years, including Congo and Syria. Natural disasters, mostly floods and cyclones, also uprooted at least 7 million people. The report notes that these are likely to be underestimates of the number affected by conflict, violence or disasters. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, many people chose to stay or return to their homes for fear of infection in shelters. It's not just COVID-19, health services in Africa. Fears have been rising this week that the COVID-19 vaccination campaign in Africa is stalling. Many countries suffer shortages of jabs. Others have stocks they cannot use. Malawi has destroyed almost 20,000 expired doses. South Sudan plans to bin 59,000. But with less publicity, the pandemic also threatens to unravel decades of progress in routine immunization campaigns for other diseases. In a recent survey conducted by the World Health Organization, nearly 40% of countries worldwide are experiencing disruptions to vaccinations. 
60 mass immunization campaigns, 23 of which are for measles, are currently postponed. These delays could put around 228 million people at risk of measles and other diseases including diphtheria, polio and yellow fever. The pandemic hinders disease prevention in other ways too. Draconian lockdown measures, abuses by law enforcement and the economic slump caused by COVID-19 threaten to spread infections. The epidemics of tomorrow may be caused by the pandemic of today. Breaking the Glass Ceiling, Catherine Graham An exhibition about Catherine Graham, the Washington Post's first female publisher and chief executive, opens at the New York Historical Society Museum tomorrow. A selection of photographs and objects piece together her remarkable life. Her father had been the newspaper's proprietor before handing the reins to his son-in-law, her husband, Phil. Upon his suicide, she took over in 1963, becoming an accidental feminist trailblazer. Her confidence grew with time. Her decisions both to publish the Pentagon Papers in 1971, defying the Nixon administration, and to support the paper's investigation of the Watergate scandal soon afterwards, cemented the Post's fearsome reputation. She also did not shy away from sparring with Ben Bradley, its editor, for much of her tenure. In a letter on display, she excoriates him for the newspaper's fashion-focused coverage of Nancy Reagan as America's First Lady. Should we change this ancient attitude? KG. The exhibition examines how Graham, overlooked by her father and widowed at 46, found her voice. Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Stuart Mill, who was born on this day in 1806. Ask yourself whether you are happy, and you cease to be so. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.